What up, world? It's Pass First Point Guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond, and you're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We got some minor Blazer news to go over. A quick update on Blazers pre-draft workout stuff, where they're at in that process just 15 days away from the NBA draft. And then a little Blazer nostalgia in the third segment, because it's the summertime and it's time for nostalgia. If you're familiar with what day it is, if you're listening to this podcast, you can probably guess what type of nostalgia we'll be doing. But stick with me. I also want to tell you guys that today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. Also, Thanks to Untuck It for sponsoring the Locked On Network, including Locked On Blazers. If you're looking for a great Father's Day idea, their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com and use the promo code NBA to get 20% off. And finally, Locked On Blazers, brought to you by Grip6 Belts. Grip6 is an ultra-lightweight belt with no holes and no flap. It's a great Father's Day gift, so go to grip6.com slash L-O-C-K-E, that's grip6.com slash lock, and get a special offer that they've got there for you. Okay, now that we've paid the bills, let's talk news. Two little news, newsy things happened today. First of all, uh, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reported that both Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, you may have heard of them, are among the additional players, or among players expected to join the USA Basketball Training Camp in August. Uh, earlier, the New York Times, Mark Stein, had reported that Anthony Davis, Kemba Walker, Donovan Mitchell, and James Harden would also be playing for Team USA. Uh... I'll just read you the other names, and then I'll get into why this might be meaningful or whatever. Uh, In addition to Damon C.J. and the other stars, as reported by Stein, uh, Woj says Brad Beal, Eric Gordon, Kyle Kuzma, Brooke Lopez, and Kevin Love. Kevin Love and Jason Tatum all expected to go to to the camp. There'll be 18 names invited to the camp, or they'll be announced next week, but 18 players will be invited to the camp, which will be held in Las Vegas in basically early August, end July, early August, when they usually do the camp. And uh, they will trim that group down to 12 guys, and then they'll head to Australia to play three exhibition games. And then at the end of August, so those uh, exhibition games will be uh, in Australia like mid-August, and the end of August, the 31st through the 15th, this is why Team USA is forming this summer, is because it's the 2019 FIBA Basketball World Cup. It's like a two-week tournament. Um, it's become a bigger deal. I think this FIBA World Cup is, is uh, probably taken more seriously uh, by some countries than the, than the Olympic tournament. So yeah, Team USA, getting together, getting the, getting the gang back together. A bizarre gang that includes Brooke Lopez. Uh, but I think why this is significant, I mean, we can, um, I, I guess quickly, uh, Damian Lillard has at times kind of beefed with USA basketball, so I think it's important that he's back involved. Uh, you'll recall that uh, he was also 
invited to these USA camps in 2014 and 2016. In 2014, he was passed up. Um, he felt like that maybe the U- USA basketball had already made some decisions and already penciled in Kyrie Irving and Derek Rose ahead of him on the roster and that he didn't get a fair shake in camp and he complained about it very publicly. Um, he, he maybe didn't, he, he wasn't as whiny as when he didn't make the all-star team, but he, he said it'd be more wood on the fire. And he was, this was, you know, coming off his rookie of the year performance and all these things. Um, and then he was invited back in 2016, but eventually withdrew. Uh, but he was added to the group, uh, him and him and CJ were both added to like the pool of 35 players for this. They do it in little two year chunks for 2018 to 2020. So Dame's back in, he's given USA basketball one more shot. Uh, he could, he conceivably um just based on the names that we've seen he's he's certainly one of the clear best players uh you know and he's one of the top 10 players in the league probably so no matter who they get to show up he he probably deserves the nod and uh him willing to do it i think is significant cj mccollum uh also had sort of maybe not team usa beef but uh, in addition to the sort of the the larger team, Team USA has like a select team that they invite um, to compete against the sort of group of 18 guys. And, and they're like, generally speaking, younger players that USA wants in the system to like bring in in the future. Uh, CJ McCollum was invited in 2016 after he won Most Improved Player, but eventually pulled out. I think it was just the way he explained it to me back then was a scheduling issue. Um, but I read it that he just, he, he didn't want to, to be necessarily involved because he'd had a long season and it's a big commitment. And I think that's the significant thing to take away from this. It's not that, um, you know, Dame and CJ are, are, you know, mending the fence with Team USA. That's just kind of like a side story here. The thing is that they're willing to make what is a, a fairly significant commitment to play, to play basketball uh, ahead of training camp. You know, they just played this, the longest season of either of their careers, you know, went further than they ever had, played more games than they ever had in their careers. And now coming off that extremely long season, you know, uh, they are making at least a minor commitment to be under consideration to play all these extra games and 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 the FIBA World Cup like I said you know countries take this seriously this is not um this is this is a a very competitive basketball tournament it would be a hard two weeks of basketball if they were involved very competitive two weeks of basketball they're not the only ones involved I'm I'm fairly certain Alfaruq Aminu's Nigerian squad has already qualified to be in the in the World Cup so Chief will be there. He might not be a blazer at that point, but um, certainly uh, I, I think he will be. But I think it's it's only significant uh, because uh, it shows you Damon CJ are interested enough to be involved in Team USA that um, they're making a, a, a big time and physical commitment to the team. We'll see kind of what happens with that. Uh, there's plenty that will come in August, uh, whether they, um, you know, depending on their health and, and, and their interest and all those things. But um, I, I think playing for Team USA is important for guys. Uh, you look at um, just in the NBA Finals, you know, one of the things people are debating whether Andre Iguodala is an is a NBA Hall of Famer and one of the things working in his favor is that he won a gold medal with Team USA. Um, it can really help guys' legacies. It can it is an, it is a big sort of stepping stone, a larger, much larger stage. Um it can it can help 
guys like Damon CJ take sort of, not that Dame necessarily needs it, but it can help them take a step sort of profile-wise. Went a little bit long on this, but I want to touch on one more news thing that happened today before we get to the next segment. Uh, the other thing in Blazer Newsland was assistant coach David Vanderpool, according to Mark Stein. Stein killing it on the coaching news. If you guys are interested in coaching news, Mark Stein, all over it. Honestly, you listen to this podcast, follow Mark Stein. That's how I get plenty of news my own self. Uh, but Stein says that David Vanderpool is... Being is under consideration and will interview for one of the Minnesota Timberwolves assistant coaching positions. Uh, you will remember that the Timberwolves fired their GM, uh, hired a new GM, Gershon Rosas, from the Rockets. Uh, when Rosas was hired, he installed uh, former interim head coach Ryan Saunders as the as the now full-time head coach of the T-Wolves, but he fired all of Saunders' staff. And according to Stein, Saunders wanted to keep on Sidney Lowe as the lead assistant, and that was shot down. Uh, Rosas wants to put in his people. Uh, that's uh, GMs have the right to do that. Um, and I think just quickly why uh, Vanderpool would want to do that dude's 46 he has a great relationship with dame he has a, has a very good relationship with cj but uh he wants to be closer to getting a head coaching job already this summer he has interviewed for the phoenix suns job that has been given to, to monty williams the cavaliers job that has been that was given to john beeline and the Men memphis grizzlies job that was given to no one uh the, the grizzlies still the only team in the nba without a coach um it's to me, if this is a lead assistant type job, it could mean more money. I don't know if money's the motivation, but it could also mean that uh, Vanderpool could be sort of in a senior position with a young head coach and in a position to sort of move up the bench. Should they fire Saunders or should they just move on from him after the end of his contract? He could be in a position to move up, whereas he wouldn't. He doesn't look to, like he's going to get that chance with the Blazers. So maybe moving to another situation, I don't think there's animosity necessarily. I wouldn't read into that, but moving to another situation might give him a chance to pursue what he wants to pursue. And that's to become an NBA head coach. That's your news and notes. The reason that's your news and notes is because the Blazers haven't been doing much NBA draft stuff, but that's what I want to address in the second segment. What's going on with the, their NBA draft prep and all those things. But first, I want to remind you guys that you can find Lockdown Blazers wherever you get this, wherever you get any podcasts. We are on Google Play, we're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify, and we're also on the new Himalaya app. Himalaya is a, is a new podcast app that has uh, customizable playlists it has uh, a feature features where if your friends are also on the app you can see what they're listening to and discover new podcasts that way uh like i said you can curate your own playlist either by episode or by episode or by or by uh larger podcast itself it's free to use it's free to download easy to use so check it out and while you're there make sure you subscribe to locked on blazers All right, so the NBA draft is just 15 days away, and the Blazers, while they've attended a variety of agent-held uh, or agent-sponsored draft camps across the western half of the United States, 
five or six of them. They've only held one uh, pre-draft workout in their own building. Uh, I think there's plans only for them to hold three more. And it doesn't look like they're coming this week. Maybe they will in, over the weekend, but uh, it doesn't look like uh, they're coming this week. So y- you might ask, what the heck are they doing? And I kind of talked about this a little bit. Um, they, This is a weak draft, and they have a, weak, a, a, a late pick. They're just not a destination. Like um, when agents are deciding where to send their guys, they're just – this isn't like a hot commodity type, you know, six pick in the draft where you want to make sure you get your guy in front of the Blazers because they have this high pick and you're, they're going to make all this money and yada, yada, yada. It's just kind of the nature of having um, a mid-20s pick. That's life. But one of the ways you can get a sense for who the Blazers might bring in over the next two weeks, 15 days, a little bit less, 10 days probably, uh, is looking at who in their draft range, who's worked out for other teams in their draft range. So, you know, three or four teams ahead of them in the draft, three or four teams behind them in the draft in the final in the final five picks of the draft, and kind of which which players have worked out for multiple ones of those teams. Those are agents who are sending guys to, you know, if, if you think you're you've got a guy who's that 21 to 28 range, you're gonna try to get him in front of all seven of those teams, all eight of those teams, and uh just so he can maximize his his exposure and and, and get a chance. So uh, you know the big the biggest name uh, that worked out for the Blazers in their first uh, in their first pre draft camp or their first pre draft workout was Luke Stewart from uh, Arizona State. He's also worked out for the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics, two teams that pick right around where the Blazers pick. Uh, in addition, Jalen Horde, who worked out for the Blazers, he's he also worked out for the Sixers. Right in that same range. Sixers pick a, a pick ahead of Blazers at, at 24. So they're a pretty good team to consider, you know, who's worked out for them. Uh, just uh, other guys who have sort of multiple hits in that 22 to 27 range. Uh, Virginia's Ty Jerome. Syracuse's uh, O'Shea Brissett. USC's Kevin Porter Jr., uh, Kentucky's Tyler Hero, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, who's from Iowa State, um, a, a name that I think will probably be on the board for for the Blazers or at least under consideration is Dylan Windler, a six seven forward from Belmont, uh, small school, but the kid could really score, could really play. Uh, uh, another a big guy who could be on the board for the Blazers if they're looking for a sort of Powerful power forward type. He's more of a center, maybe at the next level. Um, you find Kevin Gelle from Florida State, who was sixth man of the year in the ACC. He's worked out for the the Jazz and the Cavs, right around where the Blazers uh, are picking. Uh, Carson Edwards, six one point guard from Purdue, who can really really score. Uh, I don't think he's someone the Blazers will uh, consider, but he's worked out for a bunch of teams in their range. So, like I said, I. I don't know if this is meaningful for sort of like who the Blazers might draft and who they might target. And I've talked a lot about how, you know, maybe that they're going to end up working out a lot of second round picks and, and, and trying to get out from under this first round pick in general, just to be um, t- to get out of sort of the luxury tax hell that they're in. And by that, I mean, just skirt under the luxury, t- luxury tax line briefly before they jump right back above it. 
But I do think if you're someone who's obsessing over wh- who, what are the Blazers doing, what have they done, and all those things, is that looking at guys who've worked out for other teams will tell you who who's going to come in, who's who's in their range, who they're serious about. And paying attention to anyone that comes back multiple times, either for those teams or for the Blazers, will give you a pick about who might give you an idea about who might get picked in that range. I'm certain the Blazers pay attention to who works out where. I'm certain they talk to agents and find out who works out where, where else have you been. That's just kind of the nature of the game. Uh, I know that's kind of a, this is kind of a nothing update, but I, I gave you some names to watch, some names that I expect will probably be at Blazer workouts next week, Should they, assuming they resume them next week and get in two or three. I imagine three. I, I bet they'll do four, just from from what I understand. I bet they'll do four before the draft. That'll give them about 20 guys to come in and see, plus all the guys they saw at, at the agent workouts. But if you're itching for NBA draft news, that's what I suggest you do. Poke around in that uh, in that range, uh, you know, right ahead of the Blazers, Boston, Utah, Philly, and right behind them, Cleveland, Brooklyn, and Golden State. Uh, Golden State's probably not going to do too much draft stuff because they're playing in the NBA Finals. But who works out for Cleve- Who works out in Cleveland? Uh, I don't think the Cavs do public draft workouts, so you just have to rely on reporters there. But uh, Philly, Utah, Boston, all that info's out there. I read off some names, but if you're if you're itching for more info, that's where you find it. All right, I'm recording this on episode on June 5th, 2019. If you're a Blazer fan out there, you know why June 5th is special. In the third segment, I'm going to talk a little bit about Blazer nostalgia, so stick with me. All right, welcome back. Still locked on Blazer, still Mike Richmond. You're listening to this on June 6th, but I'm recording it on June 5th. 48 years since the Blazers last won the title. Now, if you haven't heard, I'll let Bill Shonley take you back to what it sounded like in the Mortal Coliseum that day. Here's his call from Game 6 in Portland 48 years ago. It'll be Philadelphia ball, five seconds to go. Portland leading 109 to 107. Three will inbound. Here we go, the inbound of McGinnis. Drive, stop, pump, shoot, short, no go.
and where it was still in doubt with five seconds remaining to be played, but the Blazers win it. After being down two games to none, they come back to win four straight and win the ball game by a score of 109 to 107, and they are number one. Now, listen, first of all, that call is awesome. It's awesome. But what always strikes me about sort of Blazer fandom is is uh, how much, I don't know if stock is the right word, but how much reverence is given to that um, that 77 team and how special it was. And, and it's, it's truly one of the great teams, um, you know, in the history of, of the game, you know, to beat uh, Kareem's Lakers and then Dr. J's Sixers coming back from down 2-0, winning four straight to win the title. This is, um, it was an all-time great run. And obviously things went um, haywire following the 77-78 season. Um, you guys know the story. This is a happy uh, segment, so we won't talk about that. Um, but what always strikes me is sort of how much reverence is given to that group. Um, and it's for a variety of reasons. Um, th- this the sort of outsiderness of the Blazers and sort of the big market world of sports. Um, this is a, a city with only one team, a city with... Uh, you know, not necessarily under consideration for other other teams, a city um, at odds with its immediate neighbor to the north that has had many sporting teams. Talk about Seattle. Uh, so, so you know, cherishing what makes it uh, unique or whatever, you, the cherishing the the things that um, that are truly your own in Portland makes sense, uh, but. But just around the league, um, people make fun of the Blazers for how many uh, jerseys from that group are retired. If you look, peek up in the rafters and see, um, pretty much anybody who did anything on that Blazer team is uh, is a king, and their jerseys retired. You know, heck, even Sean Lee, who obviously deserves it for a variety of reasons, dude is greatest Blazer of all time, maybe. But you know, even he's got a banner up there. But I think uh, it's I think it's what makes it's what makes this it's what makes being a fan of this team special. It's what made uh, when I thought about this sort of championship today, and when I was uh, finding the audio of of the call, I was thinking about the run from this year and that and sort of the palpable buzz that uh, there was even around the city with. Um, the Blazers making a run to the to the Western Conference Finals for the first time in two decades. Uh, you know, Damian Lillard, had, he said he was surprised with how he sort of crazy everyone was going after round one. And he even said, you know, imagine how excited they're going to be when if we make the Western Conference Finals. And at the time, it was um, just kind of an offhand comment. But I, I think it really summed up sort of what it's, uh, what it's like to be a Blazer fan. And I think this... Um, this summer or whatever this this postseason push really pounded that home for me as somewhat of an outsider as someone who's um you know my closest connection to the team is covering it as a, as a media member uh, you know I've lived in Portland for 13 years it's certainly not home to me uh I'm, I didn't you know I, I kind of rooted for I guess the uh 
early 2000s Blazers over the Lakers because who in America wouldn't? But I wasn't a fan by any means. So, you know, if, if someone makes fun of you for remember, for really cherishing a championship from 48 years ago, you have the Lockdown Blazers seal of approval to tell them to go shove it because nostalgia is... It's kind of what binds us together. It's what binds Blazer fans to this team is that remembering either the special moments from 77 if they were old enough to be there or the myths that go with it and the that they can build that they piece together from seeing an old Bill Walton and talking to their parents and uncles and aunts and all those things. It's a, it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing that creates community in a unique way. So um, as negative as I am about the Blazers in so many instances, I want to say that on, on this anniversary of the championship, wave your pinwheel, y'all. Enjoy it. It's cool. And this playoff season, this the the Blazers postseason run, um, kind of me, somewhat of a cynic, reminded me of how cool that type of thing can be, and how uniting for a community that type of thing can be. That fifty years later, you'll still hold on to it. Thanks for listening. I appreciate all you guys. Tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. They can find this podcast wherever. They get po- they get podcasts. That's on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course the Himalaya app. Check us out there. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening.